if you choose. If you choose. Amen. Amen. We thank God for being here. Amen. Amen. Let's pray over the offering. Father God, we do thank you, Lord God, for all that you've given us. And you've given us so much that we can give to others. May it be used for your good and your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. And these are the announcements for Sunday, September 24th, 2023. Prayer service will be held at 5 p.m. on Sunday evening. The prayer focus will be on holiness. The men's prayer group will be meeting on Monday, September the 25th at 7.30 p.m. at the 16th Street location. Please see Herman R.C. for more information. Please join us on Wednesday, September the 27th for midweek Bible study as we study 2 Kings verse by verse at the Germantown location. To watch the live stream or a recording of the message, go to ccwordoflife.org, then click the word. The live stream will start after the worship. Forever Mentored Boys Group will meet on Thursday, September the 27th at 7 p.m. at the 16th Street location. We are in need of volunteers to help for painting, cleaning at the Germantown location this Saturday, September the 30th at 9 a.m. Please see Maurice Darton or sign up on the volunteer form at the registration desk if you are interested. Join us for street witnessing on Saturday, September 30th at 11 a.m. at the Germantown location. The Women's Fellowship will be meeting on Friday, October the 27th at 7.30 p.m. Please see Sarah Darton for more information. If you have a birthday in the month of October and would like to have your name added to the list, please see Mr. Tyrone Tucker or leave details at the information table. All prayer requests may be sent to the ccwordoflife.org then click prayer or submit your prayer request in the prayer box in the sanctuary. You may support the church financially in person. In person. Um, offering baskets are being passed. Amen. 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 Um, text the word GIVE to the number 215-515-6552. You may send checks to PO Box 30750. Philadelphia, PA, 19104, or by secure online giving, please visit ccwordoflife.org and click giving. Please, uh, for announcements, or for all announcements, go to ccwordoflife.org and click updates. Please silence all your devices and turn with us in your Bibles to Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 19, as we study the Bible with Pastor Mark. Amen? Amen. Amen. Good, um, good morning. Good morning. 
First time here, huh? Strange. Different place, same Bible. Amen? Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love and your faithfulness, Lord, and great is your faithfulness, O oh God. Your mercies are new every morning, Lord. You love us, Lord. You lavish us with love, Lord. Lord, you clothe us with grace, Lord. You're not ashamed to call us brethren, Lord Jesus. And so, Lord, we love you, Lord, and it's because you first loved us. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, as we study your word, that it becomes alive, that it becomes something that we can but not only hear, but do, Lord. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, you would keep us, you would strengthen us, Lord, you would hold us near and dear to you, Lord. And so, Lord, I pray, Lord, that you would give us what we need. And as David prayed, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O oh, Lord, my strength and my redeemer, I do pray in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. If you have a Bible, turn with us to Mark's Gospel, chapter 3. Y'all should know this passage by heart now. Jeez. Phew. Verse 13, it says, And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. James, the son of Zebedee and John, the brother of James, to whom he gave the name Barangenes, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, the son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus. Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him, and they went into a house. This is our last week of going through the 12. And it's interesting to note that as we study, you know, these 12 apostles, you know, most people don't know their names. Most people say, well, who in the world is Thaddeus? Like, you know, I've never even heard of Thaddeus. So who is James the Less? So he's called James the son of Alphaeus, but in Mark 15, 40, he's called James the Less. Who is Judas not Iscariot? You know, Judas not Iscariot. Is Judas not Iscariot? You know, John 14. No, so it was another Judas. It was another James. It was another Simon. And then here we reach this man by the name of Judas. The second Judas. It was another Judas. This is the second Judas. And as you study Judas' life, you start realizing how in the world could somebody be that close to so much light and see miracles? And I'm sure Judas did miracles himself and seen wonders and signs and, you know, Jesus feed the 5,000, Jesus casting out, you know, demons, Jesus walking on water, you know, Jesus, Lord, you know, it says, who is this that even the wind and the sea obey, peace be still. He saw Judas was in the mix of all of those things that we would call miracles, supernatural things that would be something that no man could ever do. Only God in human flesh could do the things that Jesus did. Nobody did more miracles than Jesus. 
I think the second best to Jesus in miracles probably was Elisha in the Old Testament. But other than that, nobody did more miracles than Jesus. And you're walking with them every single day. And yet, you never ever get to know who he is. Isn't that sad? So this morning, y'all gonna have to study your Bibles. I'm gonna have to turn some this morning because we're gonna we're gonna learn Judas Iscariot, and we're gonna learn. I don't want to say why he betrayed Christ, but how sad it was that he betrayed Christ. Not necessarily why, but how sad. So let's look at verse 13, and we'll work our way down. And he went up on the mountain and called, is, is the word proskalio, to call, you know, to summon, to call towards oneself. He called to him those he himself wanted, and they came willingly to him. They came to him. Jesus called them. They came willingly, broken, battered lives, lives, <laughs> all of our lives. I know how my life was before Christ. When I came to Christ, broken, messed up. Get saved by the Lord and you realize you have some value. You know, he sees you as something worth something. You know, and just, and he called these guys, they were not, we would have never picked these guys. We would have never, we would have never picked some old fishermen from up Galilee in that area. You know, we would have probably picked some guys that went to the school of Gamillion or something or Halal or Shimei. We would have picked smart guys. Jesus picked these guys and it says that they are the ones in Acts 4.13, who would turn the world upside down. Or it should say right side up. But they were the ones that Jesus used in a mighty way. We would have never picked none of these guys. They didn't have degrees. They were unlearned and ignorant men. They were men that if you looked at their lives, you'd say, what? Well, I'm with Jesus. Really? So what? Who are you? I'm Peter's. So what? Oh, who cares? Who, you know, Peter's, they used to go to drunken parties. These guys were a mess. And he called them and they came. And this is in verse 14. Then he appointed 12. Notice that they might be with him. That's the first thing Jesus wants with us. When he calls us that we might be with him. Before we could do anything, you know, it says Mary chose the better part. She sat at Jesus' feet. We as Christians, we have to learn how to be with him. That's the hardest part. The work part we could do. Somebody say, I need you to hammer, uh, you know, this nail into a wall. Oh, no problem. I need you to show up and do that. Oh, no problem. I need you to do this. That's not a problem for most believers. The hardest part for us is to sit with him. To sit with him, and he appointed 12 that they might be with them. He didn't only want them, he wanted them to be with him, and he wants us to be with him. And that he might send them out to preach, is the word caruso, and to have power. This is not dunamis power, this is exousia power. In the Greek, is delegated authority. This is delegated authority over a particular, they use it authority over a particular jurisdiction in the sense, in the, in the Greek language, the Antichrist would have exousia power. So he, he sent them out with exousia power to heal sicknesses and to cast out demons. Remember here, Judas is with them. He said, really? Yeah, Judas, is, Judas, has, Judas did some remarkable things, I'm sure. And this is, a, this is the cast of gods he picked. Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter. His name wasn't Peter. Jesus called him Peter. 
You know, he's called Cephas, same person in um, 1 Corinthians, you know, in the book of, um, to the letter to the churches in Galatia, he's called Cephas, which is the Aramaic name for Peter or stone. Is Cephas, Peter, same person. James, the son of Zebedee, he would be the first apostle martyred in Acts 12 too. John, the brother of James, the church father said he suffered the martyrdom of long life. He outlived all of them. He wrote 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, um, the revelation of Christ. And he wrote the Gospel of John, which was probably his last work. This is that John, the brother of James, the son of, of Zebedee. He gave them the name Barnjanese, that is, sons of thunder. Andrew, we know Andrew is. People forget about Andrew. I always say Andrew the evangelist. It takes the little fish to catch the big fish because he got his brother Peter and brought him to Christ. Andrew, his name means manly or masculine. Andrew, Philip. Love of horses, that's what his name means, Philip. Bartholomew, the one whom Jesus saw. This is really Nathaniel. He says, in whom there is no God. Imagine Jesus giving you that comp compliment. In whom there is no, one translation said, in whom there is no Jacob. There's no Jacob, no God in this man. He says, he calls this man Bartholomew. Matthew, the tax collector. We would have hated them because the same fishermen that were, you know, going past after they get their huge catch, they go past his booth in Capernaum. He was the one taxing them. His name was Levi. Is also Levi the son of Alphaeus, Matthew, Thomas, Didymus, twin, James the son of Alphaeus. That's James the less, Thaddeus. You know, Jerome, one of the church fathers, said that Thaddeus was the, the trionymus. You know, he was the, had three names. It was Thaddeus, Libius, and he also was called, you know, Judas, the son of James. So he had three names. This is the Thaddeus, who's the Judas that's not Iscariot. Thaddeus. And then last week we looked at Simon the Canaanite. It's really translated the Canaanine. Canana in the Aramaic, which really means, you know, he was a zealous one. That's what it meant. It didn't mean that he came from Cana. Some people read this, oh, he must have came from Cana. doesn't say, it doesn't mean that. It means that he was a Canaanine, and so he would have been what we call daggermen. Luke translates his name the right way because he calls him Simon in, in Luke chapter 6, verse 15, and in Acts chapter 1, verse 13, Luke calls him Simon Zelotes, which is good. Simon the Zealot, the zealous one. And then now we're introduced to the last guy. So y'all probably say, phew. I said when you get to heaven, you're going to know these guys. I want you to know them. And here we meet the man by the name of Judas Iscariot. We're introduced to Judas Iscariot. He's, and remember this, so don't forget. Jesus prayed all night long. In Luke chapter 6, verse 12, he prayed all night long. And you say, you picked this guy? An omniscient, omnipresent, all-knowing Christ, you picked this guy? Why would he pick Judas? If you knew somebody was going to betray you, would they be your, 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 your matron of honor in your wedding or your best man? He picks this man by the name of Judas 
Ascarot, he's always last on every list of the apostles in Matthew chapter 10, verse 2 through 4, in Mark here, chapter 3, 16 through 19, in Luke chapter 6, verse 12 to 16, Acts 1 and 13, he's always mentioned last. He's always mentioned last. Judas Iscariot, and it says, who also betrayed him, and they went into a house. And it doesn't tell us how Jesus picked this guy. We don't know a lot about Judas in the sense of when Jesus picked him. Judas Iscariot was the only apostle that wasn't from Galilee. We know that much. He was from Karioth. Karioth, you know, was in the hills of Judea. Karioth was a city allotted to the tribe of Judah in um, Joshua um, 15:25. That was a city allotted to the tribe of Judah. He's from this suburban type of area. He's much more educated than the other apostles. So you got to know he's the smartest one out of the group. He's the smartest one out of the group, and he's not mentioned when they said they turned the world upside down. He's the smartest out of all of them. We know his father, his father named in John chapter 6, verse 71, his father name was Simon. We know his father name. So his father name was Simon. So Judas Iscariot, um, in the Aramaic, it means man of Karioth whose surname is Iscariot, and as a believe, it also means, I got this Hancock's, you know, Bible names. They say that his name means a man of murder. Wow, what a nice name, huh? Judas being a Judean. So a Judean, let me tell you something, I'll give you something that you might remember. The Judeans, they hated Galileans. They called them hicks or hillbillies. They hated the Galileans. The Galileans had like, you know, you go like people in the south, they got like a southern draw. You know, our people up north, they may have a, like a, you know, like we said, get in the car. Somebody in Boston said, get in the car, you know, <laughs> a little more different. And so they would look at down, they would have their nose down on the Galileans and, and it made them more isolated. You ever see somebody that they think they better, but they don't know they're not really better, but they just think they better? Because of where they may sit, where they may stand, where they may think of themselves in the wrong context and so forth. Judas Iscariot was one of the guys, you know, you know Luke calls him a traitor. <laughs> you know, Matthew says the one that betrayed him. Mark says the one that betrayed him. He was a traitor. Judas being a traitor made him an apostate. People forget that part about Judas, but still part of God's plan. Isn't that something? You said, well, God, couldn't you just, no, he's part of Manhattan. Look, he's helping the scriptures be fulfilled. Judas Iscariot, look, John writes in the Gospel of John. You don't have to turn this, I'll read it for you. Jesus answered them, did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you, one of you is the devil? He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. You know what, how scary that is? You can sit right next to somebody in an assembly or a church or whatever, and they could be devil. They're not the devil, but they got the devil. And they're praising God like you and everything. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. Jesus is good. And we'll cut your head off. You don't think I know what I'm talking about. Hey. <laughs> Judas was the only apostle besides Zechariah, so you strike the shepherd and the sheep are scattered. Judas, 
is the only apostle that is sort of, it's some prophecy about Judas. Because when you read Psalm 41, verse 9, it says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his hills against me. That's talking about, David writes it in the context of Ahithophel, but it's also a prophecy that's speaking of Judas Iscariot. And the reason why we know that, because in Acts chapter 1, verse 16 and 17, when Peter gets up and, you know, started sharing, he says, men and brethren, this scripture had to be fulfilled, which the Holy Spirit spoke before by the mouth of David concerning Judas who became a guide to those who arrested Jesus, for he was numbered with us and obtained a part in this ministry. It was Judas. It was Judas. You know, Zechariah said this about him. Zechariah chapter 11, verse 12. Then I said to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me my wages and if not, refrain. So they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver, the price of a slave. That's what Judas would betray Christ for. And the point about Judas' life, which I think is so important, where everybody needs to know this, he loved money. He loved money. He loved money. He was in charge of the money box, it says in, in John chapter 13, verse 29. He loved money. He loved money. Look, Paul would give us a description of, you know, during the last times how people would be. And he makes this descriptive list of what the world would look at during perilous times in the last days. Judas fits that description even then. Because Paul would say, for men will be lovers of themselves, lover of monies. Hey, Judas, boasters, proud, blasphemous, Judas, disobedient to parents, unthankful, Judas, unholy, a Judas, unloving, Unforgiving, slanderers without self-control, brutal despisers of good Judas, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away from. From such turn away from. Judas loved himself and he was a traitor and he loved money. He hated Jesus Christ. If somebody sit in a church week after week and they don't know Jesus Christ and they total opposite of Christ, they don't love Jesus Christ because he said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. They hate Jesus Christ. You either love him or you hate him. There's no in-betweens. You can say, I, I like him, but I don't really want to receive him, you know. You either love him or you hate him. He said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And Judas hated Christ. People forget that. He hated the Lord Jesus Christ. And he wanted a Messiah. You know what kind of Messiah he wanted? like so many people do today, the one that would function the way they want him to function. I like Jesus if he functioned like this. If he really gave me this, or if he really did this, and he really did that, that would be Jesus to me. But the Jesus that would, you know, tell me my sins need to be forgiven to repent, that, you know, only the blood of Christ can cleanse me from my sins. He came in the world to be the propitiation for sins. That Jesus, the world don't really want that Jesus. And they'll come to church and they'll do this. And they'll, they'll, oh, yeah, I love the Lord. I love the Lord. And really, get out of here. You don't love the Lord. And Judas would have been like, hey, Judas, you love the Lord? I love him. I love the Lord. Don't you tell me nothing about the Lord. He loved the money. Turn to John chapter 12. I want you all to see this. John chapter 12. John always gives us a little bit more than everybody else about these guys. 
John chapter 12, verse 4. If you find it, say amen. I don't hear that. Amen? All right. All right. John chapter 12, verse 4. Look what it says. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, who would betray him, said, why was this fragrant oil not sold for 300 denarii? Now, he knows the price and everything. And given to the poor. 300 denarii, that was like a year's salary. He's talking about Jesus is over, he's in Bethany over at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus' house. The week before he gets crucified, a few days before he gets crucified. He says, now why wasn't this stuff sold? He said, and he says, for 300 denarii and given to the poor. Look what John says. This he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the money box and used, and he used to take what was put in it. He was a thief. You know, when you read and you parallel this, and you don't have to turn it, but when you parallel Matthew 26, 8, Mark, I think Mark 14, 4, they add a little more to it. So why all this waste? Isn't that interesting? They say, why all this waste? It's the word, we get the word, it's a polia. We get the word, epiloma is connected to the word. Why all this loss? That's what he's saying. Judas is the one that says, you know, we should, because Mary takes, break this alabaster flax of oil, pours it on Jesus, a spike nark oil, a year's salary worth. And Judas probably said, you know what I could have done with that money, girl. Are you crazy? And in Jesus, in Jesus, you know, he's, this is like for a memorial of me. And in Judas thinking in the flesh, hold up, we could have sold this and given it to the poor. He could care less about the poor. And, he, and they'll say, why all this waste? Turn to John chapter 17. They'll say, well, why all this waste? Why all this waste? John chapter 17, verse 12. I want you to see this for yourself so you can make sense about who Judas was. John chapter 17 is the Lord's Prayer. It's not the disciples' prayer. The disciples' prayer is in Matthew 6 when they say, teach us how to pray. That's the disciples come to the Lord, teach us how to pray. Here, this is the Lord's Prayer. This is the Lord himself praying. And as he's praying, look what he says in verse 12. He says, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. He says, those whom you gave me I have kept, and none of them is lost, notice, except the son of perdition. The same word for why all this waste, waste, that the scripture, one scripture, might be fulfilled. Judas Iscariot. The same one that says why all this waste was the same one was a waste. Wasted all of his time, wasted his life, pursuing worthless things, the wrong things. This is what Judas lived like. And how many people who have been in church for years have never come into the saving knowledge of who Jesus Christ is and, and, and how much he loves them? Jesus loved Judas. He didn't hate Judas. He loved him. He loved him. And they gave him 30 pieces of silver. He said, give me some money. And 30, the price of a slave, he would betray our Lord. The price of a slave. He betrayed the Lord. And Jesus says, Lord, let me tell you something. He betrayed me. But it would be good that that man wasn't even born who betrays me. It would be good that he never was born. So he betrays the Lord for silver, <laughs> money. <laughs> you know, he's, well, you know, most people look, this is the, you know, that parable about the sower and the seed. 
It says, you know, but the third person, it says that it fell among the thorns and the word choked and it became unfruitful. In other words, that person at one point may have been bearing fruit in their life because the cares of other things and Mark says the deceitfulness of riches, they turn away from the Lord. Judas was with the Lord. He held the money box. Think about this. You know, at the Lord's Supper, he goes out and they, they don't know what they think you get more food or something. And Jesus said, whatever you do, do it quickly. <laughs> and he, could you imagine you sitting in with the Lord of the universe? And he said, I don't want the Lord of the universe. I want the Lord that I want. Give me the Lord that I want or else. I don't care nothing about no Jesus going no cross. I don't care about none of that. I want what I want. I want money. I want fame. I want a position. He should, he should have been rescued us from, you know, the Roman Empire. What kind of Messiah is this? I don't like that Messiah. That's what Judas was like. Can you imagine somebody thinking like that? What would we do if we seen Jesus walk on water and give sight to the blind? We know that only to see the, oh, the, the, the Pharisees were so out of their minds because they knew that the Messiah, you know, you read of Isaiah 35, that only the Messiah could give sight to the blind. Nobody else in the Bible gave sight to the blind. So they knew he was the Messiah. They just didn't want to receive him as the Messiah. But they knew that he was somebody that wasn't normal. So Judas betrays our Lord. Look at chapter 18 in John. This dude was a devil, man. When I, every time I read about him, I say he was a devil. Can y'all say he's the devil? No, don't say he's the devil, but he's the devil. <laughs> this guy's the devil. Look, it says, Judas 18, verse 2. It says, I mean, John, rather. <laughs> I'm thinking of Judas so much, I'm calling him Judas. John chapter 18, verse 2. It says, and Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place. He knew where they went. Gethsemane. For Jesus often met there with his disciples. Then Judas, the, <laughs> while the other disciples were poor and more than likely sleep, having received a detachment of troops, this would have been 600 soldiers and officers that had swords. And <laughs> Mark tells us that in Mark, you know, 14, 43, Mark said they had clubs, you know, for one man. Having received a detachment of troops, you know, and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, Notice, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons for the Lord to arrest them. They paid Judas up front. He said, I'll show you who he is. I'll show you who he is. I'll show you where he is. Look, could you imagine? He got all these soldiers, probably 600 guys behind him. And when Jesus sees him, he says, I am, they all fall back. Then they get closer. Peter wakes up in the dark. I guess he couldn't see that good. And then Malchus comes nearby, the high priest's servant. And Peter said, cut the man's ear off. What freaked me out was Jesus picked the ear up and put it back on. I would have ran for my life. I said, leave this man alone. We don't want no problems, you know. So Luke, turn to Luke. I told you I was going to be turning a little bit today. Luke chapter 22. So you can see the storyline here. Judas, Judas got these troops and, you know, all these troops are with them. And Luke is the only one who puts this in this, in this wording, in this sense. So Judas comes. They got weapons, 600 men, lanterns. They got torches. And, you know, here they come. This, he got this detachment of troops from, you know, the high priest and so forth, guards. And Luke tells us in Luke twenty-two forty-seven. 47... 
And while he was still speaking, behold, a multitude, and he who was called Judas, one of the twelve, isn't this interesting, went before them and drew near to Jesus to kiss him. But Jesus said to him, Judas, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? So you imagine, you got all these guys with them. Somebody said, one writer said that James and Les and, Jude and Jesus, you couldn't tell them apart. They look so much alike. So Judas, and, and it gives us a picture too that Jesus was like every common person. And it was probably a little dark and foggy a little bit. You know, but he says the one, and they got lanterns so they can light the whole area up when they get there with torches and stuff. You didn't have street lights. So when they walk in, Jesus was the amazing part. He stands there. He says, you know, Judas, he says, are you betraying the son of man with a kiss? He did not ask that question because he didn't know that question. He asked that question hoping Judas said, Lord, I'm sorry. I should have never brought this Judas had an opportunity to repent. He, that's right at that particular time. He had an opportunity to repent. He had an opportunity to say, Lord, Lord, Lord Jesus, I don't know what came over me. I'm out of my mind. Oh, you guys, no, no, no. I'm going to give the, no, no, I'm, I'm sorry. This is the wrong guy. He wouldn't do it. He had to stick to his plan. And he had to stick to his plan. And you know why? That the scriptures might be fulfilled. He had to stick to the plan and he kissed. <laughs> Could you imagine somebody walking in? Hey, my friend. He said, what? Look, the Bible says on at least three occasions in Romans 6.16, 1 Corinthians 16.20, 1 Thessalonians um, 5.26. Greet each other with a holy kiss. Peter, who was there that night, Peter was there that night. You know, 1 Peter, Peter would write in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 14, greet one another with a kiss of love. With a kiss of love. And he knew every Judas was the one that betrayed him. I'm, I'm sure Peter, when he wrote this, he greet each other with a kiss of love. Because that old rascal that used to be with us named Judas was so deceitful. And he betrayed the Lord with a kiss. Years ago, my mother used to say stuff to us we didn't understand. She said, you know, you can have fake friends and true enemies. I'm like, what do you mean by that? You get older, you say, oh, I know exactly what you mean by that. People could be around you, but they have nothing to do with you. This is a wise man carefully chooses his friends in um, Proverbs chapter um, 12, verse 26. Carefully chooses his friends. Everybody can't be your friend. You know that. They just can't. They got the Judas blood, you know? And we think sometimes we want to be as Christians. Oh, everybody, everybody, come by, everybody. No, no, everybody cannot be your friend. And that don't mean you don't treat, you do good to your enemies. Do good to those who spitefully use you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely. Jesus says, for my name's sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. But you don't, your friends, <laughs> listen. Most of us got a few friends. Then we got acquaintances, and then you got another group of people you know. A friend loveth at all times. And Jesus says, Judas, are you betraying the Son of Man with a kiss? He could have stopped it right there. 
This is not a kiss of love. This is a kiss of betrayal. You know, a servant would kiss his master's feet. That's when you see the woman in Luke chapter, you know, seven kissing Jesus' feet. A servant would kiss the master's feet. Somebody of lowest status, they would walk into the room, and if they thought they were lesser rank or so forth, they would kiss the person of more authority hand. But somebody that was your equal would kiss you in your cheek. Because Jesus called them brethren. And he betrayed the Lord. Don't tell me the Lord don't know what it means to be betrayed. And hurt. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. But in all points tempted as we were yet without sin. You cannot tell me that he don't know what it means to be betrayed. He understands that better than anybody. And after all this evil, Judas, you know, Judas, look, turn to Matthew chapter 27. Y'all going to see this today because y'all need to see this. Matthew 27. Turn to it. Matthew 27 verse 3. It's about Judas. Look what it says. Then Judas, his betrayer, seeing that he had been condemned, notice, was remorseful. You know what that means? He was sorry for what he did, but he wasn't sorry enough to repent. Because godly sorrow produces repentance. He was sorry for what he did. Yeah, you could be sorry for what you've done. Some people are sorry when they get caught anyway. He's sorry for what he did, but he didn't repent. And notice, and he brought back the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders saying, I have sinned. He realizes this, but he didn't read. He's saying this before the wrong people. He should have said that before the Lord. I've sinned by betraying innocent blood. And they said, what is this to us? <laughs> you see to it, then he threw down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple and departed. And he went and hanged himself. But the chief priest took the silver, 30 pieces of silver, and said, it is not lawful. Look how these hypocrites. It was lawful for them to give it to him 30 pieces of silver to have Jesus killed. But look what they said. It is not lawful to put them into the treasury because they are the price of blood. Such a wickedness to hand over our Lord. And this was the one that was part of the 12. <laughs> You'd be like, well, he, was, he was preaching like the rest of them. Preach it, Judas. Preach it. Hallelujah. You know. He was preaching like the rest of them. And, and, and we look at this and say, how awful could this man be? And he didn't know that he was fulfilling the scripture. Because Jesus had to die, and this was the method God chose. That old traitor that would be right with him. Isn't that something? You ever had somebody betray you? Or you trusted them and you look back and say, man, I don't believe I trusted that person. Any of y'all? I guess I'm the only one ever been hurt before. And you kind of feel like a fool. You say, I trusted them. Why did I trust them? Why did I trust them? And you say, because you trust them. And we could be naive in the sense of that our innocence sometimes could get us in trouble. And really, we never lose at the end, though. 
You know, we do people right and they do us wrong. We never lose at the end. Because you can say, look, you messed up with me. You messed up with a good friend. I would have really looked up for you. And Jesus could care less. And Peter, when he gives his sermon, is interesting. When Peter preaches his sermon in Acts, part of his sermon, he says, uh, when he spoke of Jesus and him being delivered by the determined purpose of, uh, and foreknowledge of God, you have taken by lawless hands, have crucified, and put to death whom God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be held by it. Jesus thought he won at the end, he lost. Never got what he wanted. And he died and went to hell. That's what happened to Judas. Judas went and killed himself. Look, Judas is almost like a parallel to Ahithophel. This is Ahithophel. He went home in 2 Samuel 17, 23, got his house in order and hung himself. He betrayed David, king of Judah. And here Judas betrayed Jesus, the king of the whole world, from the tribe of Judah. Look, it almost reminds you of the Sermon on the Mount. And I think about Judas' life. Judas was there when Jesus, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, so into the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? Judas did all of that. If you read Matthew chapter 10, verse 8, he went out. Then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You practice lawlessness. And you think about this. There's a such thing as called the great white throne judgment. All unbelievers stand before the Lord and give account of their lives. When the books were opened and those whose names were not found in the book of life. But could you imagine when Judas gets his resurrected body and he's, is it going to be, a, you know, it's a resurrection for the just and the unjust. When he stands before the Lord, what could he say to the Lord? What would he say to the Lord? What would he say? What would a person like Judas say to the Lord? Like any other, other unbeliever, what would they say to the Lord when they stand before the Lord? He says, I never ever knew you. Never ever knew you. Your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know you. What could Judas do? What could he say? It's almost like the thief on the cross. He said, you know, today you'll be with me in paradise. This guy never preached a message. This guy never gave a dime to the church. Never did any of those things that we call like, oh, we got to do these things to stay in good favor with God. He did nothing. And Jesus looked at him and said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Because he acknowledged that he was a sinner. Judas didn't even think he was a sinner, I'm sure. He just was remorseful. There's a lot of church people today that come to church. This is no season to play church, most, first of all. But as a lot of people come to church, they really don't know Jesus. They really don't know Jesus. You say, well, you read the Bible? Well, why would I read the Bible? Because this is the Bible. <laughs> you pray, well, what would I pray for? <laughs> what? And there's so many people, they just have a form of religion. Never ever come into saving out of the truth. Look, when God saves us, he changes us. He don't save us and leave us the same. People say, oh, well, you know, I'm just... No, he saves us. Christ did not hang on the cross with somebody and say, well, I could never have victory over this. That is not true with the Bible you're reading. 
Well, everybody struggled in this and that. No, everybody don't struggle in this and that. We have our fights every now and then, I'm sure. Paul said, I beat myself in subjection lest I myself be disqualified when I preach to others. People can have victory over sin because Christ died for the sin of the world. Don't you understand that? That's why we can have victory over sin. Amen? Because Christ died for our sins. And Judas didn't want that. He didn't want it. I don't think he's here today, but look, don't play church. You know Jesus, look, he loves us. He has a plan for our life. He's not against us. If God before us, who could be against us? We know, we who know the Lord, we know he's good. Amen? You know the Lord good? Give the Lord a big hand today if you know the Lord is good. God is good to us. He's always good. We serve a good God. But the people that don't know him, they wonder why we have so much joy. They wonder. Because we realize he died for our sins. And one day we'll be in, in his presence. In his presence there's a fullness of joy. We'll be there. It says, I have not seen, I have not heard, nor sit into the heart of many things which God has prepared for those who love him. But by his spirit they reveal to us. That's a reproach against the unbelieving world when we read that. Isaiah writes it. Paul quotes it. We have something the world would never see. And that's why we should be the most grateful people in the world. I'm sorry that Judas didn't make it. I, every time I read this, I'm not happy to read about Judas' life. I'm never happy to read about his life. I'm not. I taught this gospel three times, this, the book of Mark. But every time I look at this, I'm saying, Lord, don't let any Judases be around us. That's the, I think the great disappointment if something you pursue and you think will satisfy you, and ultimately when you get it, it dissatisfies you. It's the greatest disappointment. And you can have everything in this world, and yet, and yet, not, and yet not, not, not even know the Lord, but yet lose your own soul. It's not worth it. You know, religious people, they can rub you the wrong way. And there was a bunch of religious people, and Judas was a religious man that's seen everything up close. You know the greatest miracle in the Bible to me? Salvation. That Christ changed us and saved us. Called us and appointed us and anointed us and reconciled us and redeemed us and restored us. Christ did that. We bring nothing to the table. The table is set. And I'm glad. Because I would mess it up every time if I thought I brought something to the table. Every time I would mess it up. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for how you give us everything we need, Lord. We thank you for your love. We thank you for all that you do. We thank you for your strength, Lord. We know, Lord, that you have a plan for us, Lord. You're not done with us, Lord. He begun a good work, will complete it, even until the day we stand before Christ. And so, Lord, we love you. We honor you. We praise you. Lord, if this world is the only joy we have, we're in bad shape. The materialism, the, the beauty, and all these things, they're going to get burned up in fire. They have no eternal value. And so, Father, I pray, Lord, that you be with us. Keep us. The days we live in, in Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. Amen. Listen, if you're here today and you need prayer, you say, look, I'm in a bad place.
I need prayer. I'm in a place where I don't know where I'm at. Let's all stand up. And look, come up to the front here this morning if you need prayer. And look, ask the God to put you back on fire. Amen? Amen. Ask him to put you back on fire. You know, sometimes we can lose that flame and be like, oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, I'm not Judas, but I'm sure betraying the Lord with my lifestyle. I'm not living nothing like I used to live when I first came to Christ. Remember the convictions we had when we first got saved? I used to ask the Lord, can I get a haircut? Well, I don't have a problem now, but I'm saying when I got saved, I had hair. Lord, can I wear this shirt? Is this shirt too? You know, I, we had convictions like you can't, you can't fake that. That was real stuff. I said, look, if you want to look, want prayer this morning, just look. Walk in the front down here and we'll pray for you. And um, if you don't know Jesus Christ, look, that's another thing too. Look, you can pray to invite Jesus Christ into your life. And he can change your life. That's the good news that Christ died on the cross for sinners like me. You know, and he was buried. And, you know, of course, on the third day he rose again. And that you can be set free from sin. Sin is a, uh, it's, it's like having a big ball chain with you everywhere you go. And once you break free from that, you have a liberty in Christ. So look, if you don't know Christ, walk up here. If you need prayer just for prayer, come up here and uh, we'll pray for you.